and welcome to the We Will Nomad podcast. I'm Lisa. And I'm Andre. And together, we will nomad. Welcome to episode 20. Super useful travel apps. So what makes a app super useful as well, opposed to useful? Well, it's got to be super and it's got to be useful. <laughs> super useful travel. I think, frankly, if it's a useful app, it must be super useful. Well, no, you can get useful apps that are just plain annoying, but you need them. Really? Yes, I'm thinking of Facebook. one in particular. <laughs> oh, that one's on the list. It's not on the list. Oh, <laughs> lovely. Okay, let's leave it off the list. But secondly... We all know that there's apps that you just can't live without, and then there's apps that you've installed, and they're supposed to do something, and they just don't, don't and you can't uninstall it quick enough. Or they just annoy you with all the weird notifications and yes. pop-ups. So well, there's first... nothing you can actually do in the free version. You have to buy it. Uh, something yeah, like that. Yeah, that can also be yeah. annoying. So the first thing I want to mention is, right off the bat, we are discussing apps, but are mostly Android-centered. doesn't mean you cannot find these apps for iPhone. But we are both Android users. Yes, go Android. Oh, gosh. Don't be so happy because Google's watching your every move. <laughs> you won't be that enthusiastic if you know how Google's uh, reaping, reaping the benefits. Yeah, that's what we say now. I think one day we're going to wake up and we're going to be sorry. We've got no choice in the matter either way. I think we always had a choice, but I think it's too late. It's never too late. But anyway, that's the point. So, so these apps are all travel-related. Yes. But some of them are really handy, even if you aren't traveling or when you don't travel, they're also useful. But particularly, we're discussing travel apps. Absolutely. I think one thing um, I want to mention is it does help to have a decent phone. Yes. One <laughs> if that you, travel. you can install apps, have a little bit of space on it. Yeah, space and processing power. Um, I mean, we use our phones extensively when we travel because mm. we do everything on them nowadays they're literally the, the one gadget you do everything with you take photos with it we sometimes take video with it oh, we google we navigate we go use apps we uh, we go crazy we don't make much calls no <laughs> i was wondering enough. the other day actually whether how long a cell phone is still going to be called a cell phone mm. when someone's going to get to why is it called a phone this historic part of it that i think we're going to go back to no maybe we will go back to calling people not like make a real call but you'll use a sort of a, a this is voice it's not going to be like a phone over it's IP just going to be you make version. a call to them you just say hello more what do you mean <laughs> like um like 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 a digital version of yourself calling the avatar Maybe. in the in anyway the, in, the, in the digital sphere Okay, let's get into this in the list matrix. because it's quite a long list. We've grouped them into categories to make it a little bit more sensible. And we'll start with the most travel related, travel guides and trip planning. Yeah, very exciting because, sorry I interrupt so rudely, travel guides and trip planning apps can really be a hit and miss affair, my opinion. It can, that's yeah. for sure. Some of them can really add a lot of value to your trip and others can be totally useless. So what do you got? But what I want to say before we get into the list of actual apps is one tip that I'd like to give whenever you're traveling is to look on the Play Store for any specific local apps that they may be specifically city related. So I found quite a few very useful apps. For instance, for the city of Busan, they have their own app. Ljubljana in Slovenia, 
Rick Steves has a couple of uh, very. I wouldn't old, call him local, but he's but, actually fairly up to date. But yeah, yeah, no, but it's old school style. It's old school style old because school style, he's but super informative for yeah. a lot of Europe. He's got a nice like walking tours and yes. some odd random conversations with locals, which is very informative for Europe. And the little yeah. town of Chamonix, yeah, um, Mont Blanc in France, they've got their own app as well. So many towns have their own apps and also more local guides. The Ljubljana app is actually produced by locals. Yeah. And then many of them include some free walking tours of cities. I would be, so I would just suggest, make sure before you download it, check what uh, the update date of the app yes. is. So see how old it is when last been updated. Be and just check the reviews. Uh, a lot of these things are very basic and simplistic and not, especially on the Android side, not everything is vetted properly so you could really end up with some junk. Yep. Don't waste your time. Rather, rather look at apps that sort of uh, look more credible if you want some proper travel related guides and can help your trip planning. Yep. I think the one, the one app I will start with that I find exceptionally useful is TripIt. And not, it's not so much a, a guide related uh, app, but planning. it's super useful for, 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 for planning purposes. Mm. If you're not familiar with TripIt, go check it out. It's, um, it's quite cool. You can set it so it automatically checks your emails or you can forward emails to it. If you make any sort of bookings, whether it's for flights or accommodation, and it presents it to you in a, in a logical itinerary yeah. that's got everything right in, at your fingertips. And it just, especially if you travel full time, it exposes the gaps or well, the glaring mistakes. If you, if you travel anywhere and you don't have your entire itinerary fixed beforehand, mm. if you're sort of a last minute traveler, um, where you're keeping things flexible, I think this is the first time we really used it, and I see it. It's very nice very to cool. be able to see that. And you can share it amongst users, which yes, is very which is nice. Pretty cool. yeah, so you can share the same trip itinerary, include people. Uh, what would your. No, okay, sorry, I think. I just I, want to also mention that this whole list, in case you're listening to it and you're wondering how you're going to remember, all the apps will be in the show notes as well as linked to a full article on our website we will nomad.com yes all right i think the only other guide related app that i find semi-useful is Traposo. and like i said most of these things are a bit of a love-hate relationship because sometimes they do offer some insight and give you maybe an idea of sites you can visit but a lot of the time they're slightly dated in the way we travel because I'm not necessarily interested in accommodation recommendations. No. Um, or eating out, or eating out or places. Or where to go have a drink. For sure. But you can sort of get a feel for a place, and especially if there's sites that's worth seeing, you can sometimes see it on a map. Or more than anything else, I like to use a guide like Traposo just for a general overview of what the, like the history of the country. Uh, you know, just get a feel a for it. Where, what, how did this, we're in Penang right now in Malaysia, you know, what's the history of the island and you know, why are there so many colonial buildings around? That, mm. That's quite cool to see in the guidebooks because very, very few uh, times nowadays we go out and buy old school guidebooks and, you know, and it also takes a bit of effort online to research these things. Mm. So I always like to be able to have that mm. little bit more of a story than a checklist because the truth is when it comes to checklists, what to see or do in a place, the internet is at our fingertips. You it pretty is. much rather Google 10 things to see in Penang. I know. You don't need an app to see that. You want that little bit more, that, that little bit of info easy to read. The problem, then you trust Google to tell you which one, which, which website is going to give you the best information. Otherwise, you might find our crappy website. <gasps> How can you say that? <laughs> you don't want that. And the other thing is you want stuff to be integrated. So I use Google Maps, but we'll get to Google Maps, I guess. 
and now I've got this guide and it shows me where stuff is, but I actually but want to see it on my map. Mm. No. So you want a good map that integrates. And I think Traposo is pretty good when it comes okay. to that. No, oh, great. I think that's it really for the guides, guides. Yeah. And going into trip planning, the next one that I'm going to mention is very specific. It's really for camper vanning or camping and also mostly around Europe mm. is park for nights. There are other ones as well, but in our last four months that we spent camper vanning around Europe, we found Park for Nights to be the most useful and handy one. Yeah, it, 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 if you're considering vanning around Europe, I think that's a must. Like Lisa said, there's a, there's a few other ones. There are a few other yeah. ones. But camp, area. Park for Nights has been very handy. Uh, it's community driven, as far as I remember. And, and you can date. contribute to it as well. Yes. It's fairly up to date. Uh, you can't believe everything you read because things do change. But if you're looking for a spot to go, that's that's not necessarily that known. It's a good way to start. And that covered mm. the most of Europe fairly well. Yeah. It was the most yeah. versatile one. Oh. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll then just give a quick overview on the apps we use when it comes to trip planning, specifically for flight searches. Yeah, that's uh, only your responsibility. Yes. I actually nowadays trust Google flight search more than anything else. Now, Google Flights does not have a, a current app for some reason, but they, they do allow sort of a plugin app which called GoFlight, which uses the API, and it's based on the old, um, what is that? Skyscanner? No, oh, no uh, on, what was on that the thing? fly. On the fly, yes, but based on the ITA on the fly engine. So you use GoFlight app and it will give you the same results of actually going onto a desktop version and of searching Google for Google Flight. Okay. And why I like Google Flight is because it's so versatile in terms of filtering. Mm. You can set your your um, your your budget and okay, also wow. you can say how much you're prepared to spend on a ticket. Okay. And it shows you the where destinations you where you can go to. Hmm. So it's very nice if you have flexibility in your site. You can search per month. So you can say, I, I want to go anywhere in this month, okay. and this is my budget, and I'll tell you That's where you can go. That's pretty handy. Which is quite cool. Mm. Especially if you're flexible. Yes, for sure. Now, if you look at other apps like Skyscanner and Kiwi.com, Kiwi is quite nice if you're looking for non-traditional routes, because they, 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 they'll, they'll offer options where you can string together different tickets to make a route work. Oh, so, they so you might actually purchase two separate yes, flights to get to your destination, yes. but it might be cheaper. It, it might be cheaper, it might not be, but it'll give you a way to get somewhere. Okay. And also Kiwi.com is fairly reputable so that if something goes wrong, they'll, they'll, they'll back it up. Oh. So that's quite nice. Okay. And it's, so it just gives you a comparison. And obviously it's good old sky scanner. And I think if you, if you, after you've been to Google, uh, flights or go travel or go go flights sorry in this case then it's always a good idea to just go to Skyscanner and just do a little comparison because mm. sometimes because then you have your search criteria narrowed down slightly. correct and they might tell you if you buy these tickets through this whatever. affiliate site or whatever maybe you save quite a bit okay now, I don't say you should be doing it 90% of the time we actually buy flight tickets directly from the airline that was what I was gonna say you use yeah. these apps to find the flight yes. but we very seldom actually book through anything else Google flights 90% of the time point you to um, the airlines website but they do give you options to go to uh, other places like but, Expedia or the like but we generally book through the airline, airline we normally right. find that that's better so speaking of Expedia, that's the one other app that forms part of this little packet. And yes. why are we using Expedia, you might ask. 
Back in the day, I remember in 2006, I used Expedia exclusively for everything. accommodation in America. Accommodation, uh, transportation, car rentals, car rental. booking, flights. And nowadays, we don't really, we don't use Expedia any in the places we travel as much. Except when we need to. Except when we need to. But the one thing we do with Expedia is uh, to search for flights that is refundable. Yes. And it might sound like a strange thing, but sometimes we need a flight that's fully refundable and we don't want to necessarily pay the airline fee. <laughs> and then struggle with them to get, struggle a, refund. To get a refund. So, so why we would need a refundable ticket, maybe we should just say, oh, yes. often when you fly into a country, in order to get on that plane, they want to know that you've got a departing flight as well. The airline is responsible for it's you. Like, so and it's sometimes a, we fly into a country, but we don't actually know where we're going to be going next. Yes. And that's why we want that flight. Of course, you need proof of onward travel. Yes. And we haven't always been asked for it. But we have once. But now. we have, uh, it can happen. So you want to be ready. It's normally before we go into a country, we know we, we don't have definite plans to leave. I'll go into Expedia and just, just on that, there are local Expedia sites as well, but only Expedia.com actually searches for refundable, refundable flights. Yes. Oh. You go to Expedia.com and then you search for refundable flights to where you want. You can make a booking. Obviously, you pay for it. Yes. But this is, so it's a hold on your credit card. Well, actually, well, takes, takes the money. money. Takes the money. <laughs> uh, but you have 24 hours to, to refund for, hmm. at no, no cost, which is super handy. And it could take a while to get your money back. That's so if you step for cash, it might not be the best option. There are maybe other options where you can sort of rent a ticket if that's the yeah. way you want to do it for a few dollars less. So Expedia is quite handy to do that on the fly. And then the other app that I still use sometimes is TripAdvisor. Mm. Not so much to actually make any bookings or decide no. anything, but for reviews. They still have a wide a contribution base yeah. from people giving reviews on something. So if I'm just curious or I want to get a feel for what people are saying about something, I still take a quick look at TripAdvisor. Yeah. I don't ever use it for what to see in a place because no. I find that their top 10 list is kind of like that Lonely Planet or anywhere else, the typical, these are where you're going to find everybody. It's very yeah. storybook. And the thing with TripAdvisor is it has come under a lot of fire recently, not recently, uh, you know, how real is the information there? And, and then a part is community driven. I think where I find value in TripAdvisor is on the TripAdvisor forum side, oh. where people are still sort of uh, asking questions things. and discussing things. The reviews could can, are helpful, but mm. you have to understand it's just like Google reviews. Anybody can leave any review at any yes. time. Take it with it's a not, of salt. It's not necessarily verified reviews, yeah. so we don't take it too seriously. And of course, actually, there something else to add in planning is Google maps with their reviews absolutely in terms of that it does actually it's very interesting sometimes to go to a place and just get a couple of reviews for instance just on a supermarket absolutely uh, i mean we, we often look now where we stay yeah yeah you use google maps and you search for i mean i know this is more got to do with google maps we associate with transport getting from a to b but, but in terms of planning engine, actually... we open google maps thinking of where we're going to stay i will type in this in the search box scooter rental mm. and it'll pop up with a bunch of scooter rental places and I can immediately click on, on those and see what reviews are available and get a feel for how many of them are in the area. Yeah. Same with like you say, we, we want to stay where we have access to a decent supermarket. Within walking distance and know that somebody hasn't said, oh, this place is shut down or Correct. has no stock Correct. or all their vegetables are yep. not very good. <laughs> so it gives you at least an idea of where you're staying and before you book that accommodation, I mean, right now we're actually uh, staying in the same place for four weeks. I imagine you book 
a place for four weeks and, and you rock no up. there's no supermarket. Oh, oh gosh, there's no real, real public transport yeah. nearby. There's nowhere you can buy some food. And it'll be a nightmare. Not even that only, just also sometimes a little bit of a street view. Yes. If you want to get an idea of what's the neighborhood like that you're staying in, like I said, this might not be relevant if you're going to a fancy hotel or you're staying somewhere for a night or two, but when you are looking at a place that you want to stay in for a month and you're making that commitment from afar, mm. sometimes it's great to be able to walk the, the walk streets of Google Street or even just putting your terrain on on Google Maps and seeing, they say there's a beach, what does the beach look like? Is what does real? the water look like? Is it? <laughs> oh, the other thing we do with Google Maps is we put the satellite view on and just use street view and see are there like places we can run. Yes. Because we like to, nice to, to jog in the mornings. And so you're looking for a place where you can string together something usable mm. without falling into a ditch or <laughs> <laughs> running into alleys. It doesn't always work, but no, it, doesn't always it has work. definitely helped us. So I think we should definitely add that one to All right, so let's move on. Otherwise, right. this is going to be a long I'm going to move on to the next one. When it comes to budgeting and expense tracking, I know there are many apps available for this. And it's something that we feel quite strongly about that is important to do budgeting your trip as well as tracking your expenses so that you have that information for later. And the app that we've been using for years now is Trub B Pocket. Well done, Lisa. <laughs> I normally get the you name wrong. right. <laughs> I'm so fond of it, I have my own pet name for the app. I absolutely love Trub B Pocket. It's so easy to use. You can add a, or a trip. So you can have multiple trips within the app, and within a trip you can have multiple currencies. Okay, now you should say that there are certain limitations. It's a free app, but if you want to customize your categories and your currencies, you need to pay for the app, but it's a once-off subscription. And it's really and it's like super, a couple super of dollars. Cheap. It's yeah, super, super cheap. Um, but the trips, as well as the currencies within the trip, are all in the free version, mm. as far as I recall. And then it's only your categories. If you want to do all your specific categories, you can stay. And then you've got the option also of cash and card. So you can keep those purchases separate. And the way we use it is I create a trip for every country that we go into. And when we draw cash, we put that cash into that wallet. So every day or every few days in the evening, I can say, how much money should I have in my wallet cash? And then I can actually count the money in my wallet to make sure that I've accounted for everything that we've spent. Buy some ice cream in your sleep. And that works very well. Well, as long <laughs> as I log it in my sleep too. Ah, uh, see, this is the problem if you are in charge of the cash. Then I don't know, you know what if I anything disappears yeah, no. under, under the bar. Oh, <laughs> There's what? a whole secret category, Why hidden is this, category. What's the sticker? Yeah, this is the other problem. I'm actually responsible for finance and journey, but Lisa handles money sure on the, the road. I'll so, spend but it. I get the, the expense report at the end of the month, and then I've got to deal with it. But um, and if there's secret categories, it might raise a few questions, mm. I suppose. And then with regards to the categories, you can get your reporting at any stage, either for cash or for card or combined. And you can also export all everything to a CSV or an mm. Excel file, which is very handy for just backup purposes. And if you want to manipulate the data in any other way, if you, you want can to, do that. yes, we import it into Quicken. Again, and then we, that's where we keep all our finances. But, but it it's, gives its own reporting, which is graphical. It's got a little pie chart. You can say what you want to yeah. include. And it's a really easy to use app. Uh, it gives I you a total overview of your spending. So it also gives you a good way of sort of 
managing your cash and it gives you a proper idea of what it actually costs you because if yes. you go draw money at an ATM there's some fees attached to it you can always take that into account your total cost so you can also set your currency conversion you can either do it automatically mm. or you can actually put in your own conversion rate so what we do there is we include our fee into that conversion rate right. so I think the bottom line is pick a pick a pick an app that works for you Travi pocket really is quite cool and uh, we found that it works very well for us and we quite uh, I can, how can you put this? I think we're quite picky when it comes to our budgeting, yeah, budgeting and reporting. And, and the other thing that's also great in the reporting is it's not just your categories, but for every entry you make, you can also add a note. You can actually even add pictures to it. Mm. So what's great is if you do a big shop or you buy something, you can put a little note there. We bought just give you a this, reminder. Just for the reminder, okay, yeah. and yeah. It, it's yeah, it's very very useful. Okay. That's it for budgeting. Right. Well, not quite because I think the next topic is. Travel deal apps. Yes, that sounds like a strange a one, but once again, hit and miss depends where you are in the world. The first one that we sort of know about and have used a little bit recently is the Entertainer app. And it's not mm. available everywhere. No, but it's actually If you subscribe to it, uh, there might be some benefits to you, I think. It's mostly two for one, two for one type deals, deals, depending where you are. Um, retailers mm. that are actually taking part participating merchants I think more relevant to what we're doing would be get your guide get your guide is really quite incredible I must say it's not only nice as to find travel deals but what's also quite nice is that you can buy vouchers on that for other people that's right so it's a really great way to give a gift to a traveler if you want to do that yeah um, and then they can go and find their own experience so it's it's not the name is a little bit misleading in my opinion I thought it was a guidebook style yeah but it's, it's everything it's a lot it's of everything everything you can get an airport transfer something completely functional and mm. a good deal or you can get an experience mm. like bungee jumping or mm. diving uh, this type like of, that. I think this type of, um, I want to say, business is becoming more and more available. Uh, and we are, we do tend to see more of this style of travel, you know, where you go to a website and they offer, they sort of, in a way, Bundle together. bundles a lot of things together of mm. a bunch of operators. And I, I guess it's a good thing. Just make sure you do get good value ultimately. Well, I think what's really nice on the Get Your Guide also is that there's many times there's a certain thing like a tour of this night market, but there are three of them because they're provided oh, yes. by three different, different people. Providers. But you can go in and you can read the reviews. That's right. So it's person-specific or provider-specific, yeah, that's right. which is quite nice. That's true. And I think similar to Get Your Guide, but not the same, is Kluk. I don't know. Look, it's really something we only learned about in Asia. It's, I think it's mostly, in, mostly Asia, in Asia, but it's prolific in Asia. Yes, it's huge. You can do any type of excursion and tour. You can even pre-book data SIM cards at the mm. airport by a clock. You know, all, all, they've got all kinds of uh, tours and services that they offer. And they also seem to be fairly decent value. Like you say, you've always be. got to check your value. I think the nice thing is that in an in a environment like that, you, could, you, you can compare different yes. offers. And there's and reviews attached to it, so you can do, hopefully, some sort of comparison, which is relatable. Mm. But so check out Look, and it's not something we do regularly because the way we travel is a lot more independent, mm. but it can be a very handy Sometimes app. it's also a great way of just getting an idea of what there is to do. That's true. I actually prefer that, for instance, to TripAdvisor. Yes. I like going in to get your guide and just seeing what's available that's, in this place. That's a very good point. And I like, oh, cool, I can do that by myself, mm. but it gives me some ideas. Well, so I also use it for that. That's purpose. a very good point, and it beautifully segues into the next category of accommodation style apps because 
if you, if you, in case you don't know, Airbnb doesn't just offer oh, accommodation. Yes. They often experiences. So that's true. We very rarely use Airbnb experiences. But it's also good. But as it's an super idea. nice if you do book uh, accommodation, or even if you don't, you go into the app and you go check out experiences in that area. It mm. serves up this whole host of ideas yeah. that you sort of kind of and sometimes it's well worth using local people to explore certain things yeah. whether it's a little food tour or maybe a or cook experience or, or cooking yeah, yeah so, that would be a great so i was about to say the next section is accommodation and airbnb is obviously high on that list and we do use airbnb and it's particularly probably, for longer stays for longer stays it makes a lot of sense and yes all the other platforms are moving towards long stay options where there's similar sort of types of listings you get in Airbnb. But at the moment, Airbnb does seem to be uh, at the top of the, of the list for us. I think and we've been using it for quite a few years now. And I must yes. say, I can't think of a bad experience that we've had. Obviously, you need to read reviews. Yes. Uh, but I think overall, <laughs> over the years, we've had very good Airbnb experiences. Absolutely. I think the first time we used Airbnb was in 2012. When we went to America and to, oh, we went to the States yes. for, for like That's six right. weeks. Yes. And that was the first time I think I can recall yeah. starting using Airbnb. Mm -hmm. But yes, you have to uh, be smart about Airbnb. In some, in some countries and cities, it's, it's not legal, firstly, or it's highly regulated. So be aware of that. But let's not get into mm -hmm. that details. And then when, I mean, we don't exclusively use Airbnb. No. We also, depending on where we are, very much we use Agoda as well as Booking.com, yeah. depending on the country or the area, whichever one yeah. has the best deals or is just used more. We found that Agoda works exceptionally well in Asia. That's our number one go-to for booking accommodation. And normally that's where we find the best value as mm. well. They've also got a very nice sort of loyalty system. Yeah, they give you some Agoda cash back, Yeah, so you, you get credit back. So every time you book, you get a bit of credit back and you use it mm. as a voucher towards your next booking. So it's quite handy, especially in Asia. You can even find homestay type yes, that's uh, right. listings on there, which is yeah. quite cool. So Agoda is a, a, probably the first thing we use. Booking.com as a comparison, but in Asia, Agoda. And I will say, though, with Agoda, the pricing doesn't seem to be perfectly fixed. So if you are a couple traveling particularly, or if you are single also, <laughs> check both of your accounts for what the pricing is that they give you, as well as the mobile version and the, the website version, version mm. the desktop version, because sometimes they give you different pricing, and sometimes the app version is just that much cheaper. It very much differs also on your, your status as a member, because mm. if you want to create an account and you've made a few bookings, you do That's get, why you always get cheaper slightly you get like these sort of I want to say insider deals yes. but even then sometimes we go into the app and compare it to the online and there's a slight discrepancy it's a couple of dollars it's, but, it's, but it does make a difference if you stay for yeah. a few days so it's always interesting to compare those things. all right so we've got our accommodation book now yes. we need to know how to get there oh, discussing maps and location I think the first one Google Maps we've discussed already Google Maps it's still following. I would say for the win in terms of routing and finding where you want to go most of the time most of the time mm. one tip is that at the currently it seems like routing is not available if you're offline well you can't yes you also can't you can no you're right there's you no can't route, it just needs to think you have data so as long uh -huh. as you switch your wi-fi on or your mobile data on and it thinks it's got data even if there actually isn't usage it will allow you to route 
but make sure that you have your map downloaded for offline use so mm. that you can at least see and do other things without using your data. That saves quite a lot. Assuming you have data connection. Assuming you have mm. data connection. And That's, if not, even more importantly, to have that offline map downloaded. But I'll, just note that you won't necessarily be able to route. Well, that's, I think, one of the negatives of Google Maps is it, it does not do routing offline. And I'm not talking about driving here. I'm talking about walking. Yes, anything. Yeah, you can't even do a walking route. won't allow you. And the reason often that you want to do that routing is not necessarily because you are driving or navigating, but you just want to get a distance. Yeah, how far is it? How long is it going to take? And obviously, Google Maps is quite handy for using public transport. I think nowadays there's a fair integration in into public transport networks. You mm, get an idea of what what's yeah where where the buses and trains are, and mm. get an idea of their schedules. It's not accurate everywhere, but it is a good starting point. Normally, we start with Google Maps and see how it goes from there. I we all both download uh, the local maps. We use it on a day to day basis for sure. Yeah. And then second to that is Maps.me, which the one plus that it's got on Google Maps is that it does allow offline routing. Mm. So once again, you can download all those maps that you want. They're a lot smaller than Google Maps because they, I think they contain a little bit less information. I don't think they have all the information in regards That's to right. the, the businesses and yes. as such. But it's, so it's a fairly small file. So also if you don't have yeah. as much space on your phone, Maps.me is a lot more convenient in that sense. The amount of data downloads is less and it does allow offline routing. We use it quite extensively in Europe, I want to say, actually, walking around. Mm. Um, and previously in America also, if I didn't have data. Well, that was sort of more... Uh, it was quite yeah, handy. We didn't have data, we were to walk around. We didn't have data That's and right. working from one hot Wi-Fi hotspot yeah. to another. Um, and then in the beginning of the, <laughs> the podcast, we spoke about apps that are useful, but they're definitely not super. And one of those would be Naver which is the routing or map option for South Korea where Google Maps does not have much information. Mm. It's sort of a necessity when you are in South Korea. So just take note yeah, of that, that there is an option. It's, it's, well, I don't know how but many really, people often go to South Korea and drive themselves around, but if you do, even if you need to use public transport. Or walk around. Uh, or walk around, but then you do need uh, data connection, yes. if I remember correctly. But Naver is sort of the Google Maps version for South Korea. It's not the most amazing app in the world, but you honestly cannot get around without it. Without it. So you have to learn so to we'll live with it. So we'll put that one uh, separate. It's not a super useful app. It's just a useful no, app. No, it's super useful in South Korea. <laughs> let me tell you that. Without it, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> you have, you're stuck to taxis. Okay. So she will be trying to get somewhere. Transportation apps. In addition to Google Maps, which has a lot of transportation knowledge built into it, I think the one big one is MoveIt, mm -hmm. M-O-O-V-I-T. And just to give an idea, in Venice, for example, you can see all the bus and train and even water taxi oh, schedules right. live yes, in MoveIt. So in Europe, a lot of the cities have integrated their public transport systems into the MoveIt app. And that's sort of the first stop if you're looking for real good, live, how to get from point A to point B with public transport. Okay. This doesn't work everywhere. Well, interesting enough, we're in Penang, like I said earlier, right now, Malaysia, and MoveIt is fantastic here. If I were, if we were in uh, Kuala Lumpur, we would have been fine using Google Maps mm -hmm. just to do transport, public mm -hmm. transport, uh, searching and routing, but there's no Google Map Transport Penang. options in Penang. Interesting. Yeah, the integration just isn't there. You can find the bus stations, uh, but the schedules but are a little bit off. Live information. It doesn't we allow you to. It tells you when the next bus is arriving. That's right, and okay. it doesn't allow you to route properly in the app. It doesn't work. So move it's a very, very good first stop. 
And then obviously everybody else go to, if you don't want to use public transport, you use Uber. <laughs> Uber and in Asia, there's a, Uber doesn't exist in, in Malaysia. They have actually partnered with Grab. And Grab is super popular. Grab is huge in Malaysia. And you see Grab in other countries in Southeast Asia as well. Grab is the same as Uber in the sense of they get you from point A to point B, but they also bring you food. <laughs> grab food. Grab food, yes. Yeah, grab is huge. Yeah, all right, great. Now that we, we're moving around and everything, we, we, we need be. to be able to talk to people. And that's always a challenge that as well, depending where problem. you go. But obviously the first one when it comes to dealing with translations and different languages is Google Translate, mm. which pretty much always works fantastically. Whether you're doing a live conversation or voice translation or typing translation or even text recognition. But it's data dependent. Yes. You can't do anything live without data. So you can download the language pack, fine, but that means you can only do text translations. You can't do voice translations if, it's, if you don't have data. Does the voice one not nope. work with data? doesn't work. Ah, interesting. Okay, mm. I've only used the photo recognition. Yes, that works. As well as the text. Yes. And that works perfectly with the language packs nice. installed. So, but it is a good, and let's be honest, in some cases you do lose a lot of the finer nuances of communication using these translation tools. But so they're still super handy. They're better than nothing. One of the things we found, we were in Taiwan and we used uh, Bixby Vision that comes from Samsung. It's part of the Samsung tools. And it worked actually much better than Google. When it came to the Taiwanese. to tri translating Chinese. Yes. So we pointed a camera, which is a phone, at the menu or the wall or the sign and it gave us a live translation. And it was pretty much always better than the Google Translate. Yeah, it's, it, look, let's be honest, it's a bit fuzzy, but <laughs> it's better than nothing. So at least you could walk into a place where nobody speaks English, and you can figure out what they do and what you can eat roughly. You can actually order something if there's nobody to help. And the Korea it was sort of similar. Yes. It was a little was bit more tricky handy. in Korea, but it also worked. I want to say it didn't. Google Translate work a little bit better than Bixby in Korea. Well, for the I written think. language it did, but for conversation, neither worked yeah. really well in Korea. There was, a, there was, we lost a it lot. It was a lot more difficult. It was in Korea difficult for some to reason. communicate in yeah. Korea. And then, of course, if you're actually looking at learning a language, depending on uh, where you're going, then Duolingo I found to be very handy language learning app. Yeah. What's fantastic about it is that it monitors your own progress, and you can go at your own speed or progression, but it monitors your progression. So as you go and you learn, if there's a specific word or an area which you do more poorly in, it will keep reminding you of those words and not just move forward at a stupid pace. And I really like that about it. Yeah, Duolingo is very handy, but you need to put the hours in. Yes. I think like any other language teaching course, if you don't going to put an hour in every single day, you're not going to Well, they've got a great reward system. Program. You earn little points and then uh, you can yeah. get uh, prizes and that Hasn't motivated me, me enough. <laughs> All right, moving on. All right. So in terms of communication, when you do travel, mm. obviously, I think everybody these days, or almost everybody, mm. has WhatsApp. Unless you're in the iPhone sphere, yes, WhatsApp isn't sort of the go-to yet, I think. But most people that we communicate with use WhatsApp and or a sort of variation of that. I know, uh, interestingly... Was it FaceTime? Uh, well, no, it's, it's similar. But, and was it in uh, Korea or was it Taiwan where people used uh, the messenger built into the... What was that wallet thing that they used? Oh, WeChat. WeChat, WeChat. that's WeChat. right. So yeah. in Asia, you do find sort of a combination of WeChat 
which is huge in uh, so far Asia or East Asia, but most people still use WhatsApp as well. Yeah, and obviously that's that's great. And then another one that I don't know if anybody really still uses, but I think some of the older people do, or if somebody doesn't have WhatsApp, it can also be useful for conversation style, is Skype, the app. Well, you, you can call people via WhatsApp, but what makes Skype different at the moment is you could potentially buy credits, and then you can call someone on a normal phone. A landline yeah, somewhere somebody else. who doesn't right. have any of the apps installed. That's correct. You can actually and that's make a the telephone we, call. Yeah, sorry, that's how that's we right. used to use it back in the day. And Skype, I think, has, still has a lot of value, maybe more from a business perspective, where it's replacing traditional phone extensions with sort of digital phones. And also for more group discussions, so being able yes. to add more than one person yes. to the conversation. Absolutely. I'm not sure that WhatsApp allows that. Um, maybe there's so. a limit on it, but I'm not sure. Because you can do a conference yet. style call with Skype. But we, I mean, traveling, we often make WhatsApp calls. And to friends all over the world, and it's it's pretty works good. Works mostly fantastically, pretty and good. even the data usage is not that much. No, it's pretty good. The other thing that's nice about WhatsApp is an integration with uh, Google. Uh, I'm not punting Google, yeah, but because it backs up your conversations oh. and your contacts automatically. Yeah. So it's nice that if something does happen to your device, that you can restore your Whole your database. Conversation, mm. yeah. And the other thing is that your conversation is also searchable, which is really yes. nice. You can go yeah. into a conversation in WhatsApp, search either for an image or for text, Absolutely. and find it quite easily. No, that's our number one. And what's nice about WhatsApp is that even though you need to register the app with your SIM, your phone number, afterwards you can remove the SIM card from yes. the phone. Your SIM doesn't need to be in the phone. Your SIM doesn't need to be in the phone as long as you have a data connection, whether it be Wi-Fi or otherwise, it'll keep working. Mm. So even if you travel out of your country, you need to put another SIM card in there, doesn't matter. Or you don't have a... Just don't throw away the SIM because it is linked to that SIM. Well, it's linked to the number. The number, yes. If yeah. you have to, for instance, reinstall, reinstall WhatsApp. That's right. Okay. Next, when you're on the road, is health and fitness. How do you stay healthy and fit? <laughs> oh boy, don't don't drink too much beer and, and don't, don't eat, eat too pizza. many ice creams. Yeah, uh, 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 that's it. The ice cream. Oh, you left that one, so I can have ice cream still. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so first things first, we quite contentiously, I would say, <laughs> both wear what's called activity trackers, and yes, some people think it's daft. Other people actually enjoy it. We wear it for different reasons, but. Uh, first and foremost, to travel our, uh, to, sorry, to track our activity levels and also our sleep patterns. Yes. Because when you travel full time, you can quite easily get some bad habits, and it's good to see that you, especially for sleeping, that you make sure you get to bed at a certain hour and you get a good number of hours of sleep, just to get some sort of a feedback. Yeah, I think it's quite easy when you're on the road to not realize that you're not getting enough sleep. Yeah, and also not sleeping at, at the best hours. Mm -hmm. So you need to, so you can build up some sort of a reporting. And obviously, you know, you get the activity tracking. And the activity well. tracking is fantastic, for instance, if you do something like just running and you want to go somewhere and know your distance, mm. to be able to say, okay, we want to run 5Ks, we have no idea where we're going, but you can just keep running, keep changing running your route or direction until you've gone halfway and then turn around Someone and come make back. make your way back. Or, or whatever. So yeah. for me, that's very important to be able to get that distance. No, it's great. So whatever your choice of activity tracker may be, it will have an app, and that would be the app that's number one. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And then obviously there's now a few more specific exercise-based apps that you may or may not want to use. I think Lisa can 
tell a little bit more about what she likes to do. Well, I like to do yoga on the road or all the time. And one of the fantastic things, apps that I found, I've tried a lot of yoga apps and this down dog just absolutely resonated with me. They've got so many users. They have a free version and they have a paid subscription version, which is either a lifetime subscription that you can buy or annual one. And I think the annual one, if you get it on special, it's about $20 for the year. And it's a really great yoga app because it's very customizable. You can choose your type of workout from beginner one to beginner two, intermediate, advanced. You can choose the length of your workout, what you want to focus on, and the type of music, the voice, everything. Okay, we get so it. You like yoga. I absolutely, if you're looking for a yoga app to do on the road, Down Dog is the one. All right. Uh, I don't have 45 minutes every day to do yoga, <laughs> so I don't use Down Dog. But if I don't run or if I run, even if you run, there's a seven-minute workout app, which is cool. You can uh, set it to just a few things that you like. You can do it anywhere. It's mostly body weight. Seven-minute workout app for the win. Boom. Okay. Well, there we go. You have it. Uh, I'm all about uh, the law and your body efficiency. So I work out. Go. If you're looking for something to do with a little bit of meditation, I think most people know about Headspace. It's a fantastic app for meditation or some breathing exercises. And if you don't run, then you, you need to get your clear your head. Or if you or live if to, you, if you, if your partner's driving you crazy, if you and live, you need to if you travel full time and you're together for 24 hours a day. Okay. So the last one I will mention is my fitness pal, and you know my fitness pal is one of the best known sort of apps for tracking. Yeah, sorry if you hear noise in the background, but people are moving oh, furniture are moving around. Furniture. I don't know what's going on? <laughs> anyway, so for our fitness pal, it's obvious. You can track your your activity. You can actually link it to your activity tracker, so it updates it automatically. But more importantly, if you are trying to stick to a specific diet, my fitness pal is a very good Checking way to do it. Checking your calorie intake, basically. So just if you want to check check your macros. So especially if you travel, sometimes it's very easy to slip down that road of eating bad things. And every now and then, even if it's just for a week at a time, it's good mm. to just track what you're eating. Track and what see you where eat. You are. Just check your macros and make sure you're not doing something silly. Uh, I know easier way to do it is to see if your your trousers are a bit tighter, but that might be a bit too late if you know what I mean. <laughs> And then one for the ladies is My Tracker is a very cool little app on your phone where you can track that time of the month so that you don't get a horrible surprise while you're traveling or if you want to not keep a paper calendar. Actually, you should, can I not link to it so I can so you can have a warning. Pre- prepare myself for the mood swings? It's, it's now, beware, PMS oh. on the way. See, that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> All right, so let's. we, we, talk, we sort of spoke about um, connectivity here, but I think data management is probably the next one. Because you know what happens is um, we set up our phones to, when it's connected to a Wi-Fi network, it just goes berserk and starts doing updates and downloads. And then if you're traveling sometimes, you create your own hotspot. Yes, one of us gets a SIM. So you get a SIM and you create a Wi-Fi hotspot. I connect to you. My phone thinks I'm on the Wi-Fi. And and it goes berserk. Your Wi-Fi data is gone. So that's one bad way to to lose your data, your precious data that you but you have to pay for. And obviously, if you um, if you do buy data or you purchase a SIM card, and you can only really afford limited data because that's a reality. In mm. some countries, data is quite 
and you're out there, you don't want your phone to use data as if you've got an unlimited plan. And you, for instance, that accommodation where you do have That's Wi-Fi, right. so you rather want to do all your updates for when sure. you are on the Wi-Fi. So the two apps we use to help us manage this, one is called Smart Wi-Fi Toggler, and what it does is it switches your Wi-Fi on and off automatically, depending on your location. So even though it doesn't actually use your your GPS to find your locator, it sort of triangulates you based on where you are, and also as trusted network. So once you connect to a network, a Wi-Fi network, it'll figure out, okay, this is the spot I can see if that network's available. When I move away, I switch it off automatically. And also so saves, that saves battery, save power. battery. And it won't try and connect to other Wi-Fis until you come back. Into that vicinity of a known yes. Wi-Fi network. And then it will automatically switch your Wi-Fi back on and Correct. reconnect. And then secondly, you don't want to, even if you have cell phone data available to you, you don't want to your phone to go crazy and start downloading stuff. So we use an app called NetGuard. There are others available, which limits which apps can use mobile data. Yeah, so you can actually switch them for mobile data and Wi-Fi. Every app you can either allow or block That's right. to use Wi-Fi So it just does not data. allow any traffic through either mobile or Wi-Fi connection. So where that would be super handy is if you have a local SIM with very limited data available and but you still want that connectivity. Mm. So you limit everything and just when you need something, like if you need WhatsApp, for example. So that's what I do mostly when I had that very little data in Taiwan, was it? Korea. No, Taiwan. never had anything Taiwan, in Taiwan. I would switch, limit everything. Nothing could use my mobile data except for my WhatsApp. That's right. So that if I was out, at least I would still get a message from WhatsApp. That's right. And nothing no, else it's a, would use No, it's a really handy and it's a good way to sort of manage your data. And... I think from there, when you are connected to all kinds of weird Wi-Fi, it's something you've got to figure out how do you do it safely. Mm. Now, the best way to do it is to obviously don't use open networks, but if you travel, sometimes you don't have a choice. And if you're in a bus station or a train and you need desperately need a Wi-Fi. If you want to do anything sensitive, make sure you use a VPN. Now, ideally, you should subscribe to a, a good, reputable service. One way to get around it is to use the Opera Mini VPN browser. Opera Mini has got a VPN built into it, which is super handy and it's free. Okay. And obviously, you should make sure you only use encrypted websites as well. But use Opera Mini. Or you just ask Andre, should I be doing this? Most of the time, it's just no. <laughs> <laughs> but if you are doing something with sensitive information, make sure you use a VPN. And if you don't want to subscribe to a service, just be careful if you do download any app that you don't inadvertently use an app that might be dodgy. Secondly is when you not only when you travel but when generally how do you manage your passwords because mm. nowadays it's just not safe to have the same username and password for every single service. And Google moaned you like crazy. Well it's, it's just not practical anyway so you have to be you have to have some sort of a system because every service or application you use requires you to create a username or password. A lot of them integrate with maybe your Google account or your Facebook account. But even when you're traveling now often for Wi-Fi networks all over the show you, you might have in, to create a you're username in a country and for a while, but you're going to keep That's connecting right. to this Wi-Fi. So you need a username and a password. Mm. It's not going to be something you're going to remember later. No, and but if you want to save it somewhere. If it's a good username and password, you won't remember it. Yes. That's the problem. So we use LastPass, Password Manager. There are others. LastPass is the one we've been using for many years. And the benefit of it is, obviously, you can create a 
secure environment for storing your, your credentials, whether it be for website access or then notes and otherwise. And what's nice is you can also share credentials. Mm. So I can Very handy. I can share a credential with Lisa if need be. And if there's a few cool little nifty tricks that's built into it, mm -hmm. it makes password management a bit easier. And password generation. Yes. All right. So going from there onto our data and all these oh, important boy. things, the next app that we have that I think is essential when you travel is Google Drive. Well, we say Google Drive, but now if you know Any, an Android, yes. it could be some other sort of storage. It will be the equivalent yes. of that. And I think what's important when it comes to Google Drive is obviously it does give you access to all your documents wherever you are, provided that you have data connection. Yes. So what you need to just keep in mind is I always find it handy to mark a couple of documents, for instance, my ID, passport, uh, things like that, for offline use mm -hmm. as well, so that they are available, be it on your laptop, uh, mobile device, mm -hmm. uh, tablet, tablet, or your smartphone, yeah. that if you're somewhere and you need to access those documents without a data connection, you can do so. Yeah, no, that's super handy. What we do also is we have a Google One plan so we share a storage, storage. Uh, which makes it a little bit more economical, but that's, you don't have to do that. And also what's great with Google Drive is you can have a shared folder. So we have one shared folder within mm. Google Drive that we can both access. So for instance, for trip planning documents and things like that, if you yeah. look, download our boarding passes, you put them in there and I've immediately got access to them. That's right. Uh, instead of duplicating information. Yeah, this is a nice clean way of staying organized and making sure that everybody has access to that information yeah. and you can you can set that in a granular way I think should I just move on to the next point that fits so. nicely into it if you're also in the Google Google fear <laughs> Google sphere so the I Google say sphere. I mean I must I must be honest that we've because we travel full-time we don't have a home base anymore it took a long time to figure out a optimal way to deal with photographs to live in the cloud to live in the cloud we don't have any files anymore you know we don't have documents where we used to have a study uh, at home with, with photo books and photos well not only photos documents. documents you know whether it be a policy or mm. a registration document or something so we had to find out find a way to deal with that and google or cloud based storage really answered that it does take a bit of effort to set yourself up properly and google photos for us also took that uh, role of dealing with our photos in an efficient way. So you just got to make sure you go into it with a strategy <laughs> and make sure you understand how the service works and that you don't end up with thousands of photos on your device, like on your phone. I think that's one of the most important things is to think just because Google gives you free storage of your photos and that is provided that you have them set to high quality only, you get unlimited storage currently with Google Photos. That's right. That doesn't mean that you should have unlimited photos. <laughs> you should still sort and delete your photos that's... and allocate them to albums. If you if you want to refer back to your photos at any point, you need, a, you need some sort of a strategy to deal. I know Google pretend like they're going to do it for you, <laughs> which is great because if you geo tag your photos and if you allow Google to thanks Google to like uh, tag people's faces, then it becomes easier to find places and photos, etc. But if you want to stay organized, you can use albums, etc. And what's nice is what we do is we have our own Google Photos set, but we share albums. So we can contribute photographs to the same album, so we always see all our photos yeah. together.
which and is great. The other setting that's just important to remember with your Google Photos is to make sure that you set to backup over Wi-Fi only if you don't want to use your mobile data. Oh, yes. And in that sense, at least also, whenever you do get Wi-Fi, your photos are immediately backed up into the cloud and it's not holidaying for a month and you get home or the day before you get home, you lose your phone and all your photos are gone. That's right. So Google Photos is a great way to back up, but make sure your settings are correct. Yep, sort your photos. Well, before you sort your photos, edit your photos. Well, just delete some. That's a, that's that's a, a good that's start. That's the first start. Most, most photos... And rotate them, please. Yes, oh, please. And don't upload all in Facebook. So firstly... <laughs> Do a quick run. I don't want to get stuck into this because this this the podcast is getting out of hand now. But let's quickly talk about the next bunch of apps, photo editing Just apps. Just quickly list the ones and that we use. If we talk about phone apps specifically, uh, there's some great free apps available. And the first one you know is Snap, Snapseed. If you don't know Snapseed, it's it's as good as it's going to get for a non-subscription-based photo editing tool. Um, you know, a lot of people use Lightroom, and there are Lightroom and Photoshop apps available that's free. That got most of the the, the subscription-based functionality available. So if you and, and if you know Lightroom, then Lightroom would be a good choice. If you want a little bit uh, out of that sort of Adobe sphere, then look at Snapseed as an option. I would say. And then Polar is also um, a paid and a free version. The free version is not bad. It gives you the same functionality, except that you can only export one photo a day. So if you're doing more photo editing than that, you'd have to go for the paid version. And, and can you do layers and everything with Polar? You can do certain layers, but not full Photoshop layers, okay. no. You can add backdrops, you can uh, enhance certain portions of a photo and do face tweaking, uh, tweaking <laughs> and shadows, yeah. uh, highlights, all those kind of things. It's a very useful app, particularly to be able to work on parts of a photo because you can do various gradients on top of each other. I think Polar actually fills a gap somewhere between Photoshop and Lightroom. Yes, and it's quite easy to use. It's easy to use in a mobile environment. And if you pay for a license, you can also install the desktop version. Yes, you can use it on up to five devices. So it's quite with nice. It's, I think it's quite a cool little app. Very it's, nice. It's not quite as powerful as Photoshop no. for obvious reasons, but, but it's to easy to use. Quickly tweak a few things. Um, it's really, really nice. The other thing that I also use, just a very simple app, is called Photo Collage. So sometimes I do want to pop a couple of pictures and make one image of it. And then there's also Pixel Loop, which is quite nice for if you've got a photo and you want to create some movement in the clouds, it creates a little bit of a flow picture, keeping the rest of your picture still. Mm. I know there's plenty more photo to yeah, editing apps sure. out there, but those are the ones we've had experience with and we do recommend. Well, maybe, okay, so shall we move on to social media? Yes. All right, so firstly, Facebook. I lied, Facebook was on the list. We don't have to say anything about Facebook. No. But we use it. Secondly, I, I, actually, actually, I don't use Facebook app. You let, don't. Me, let me give That's you a tip true. quickly. I use Facebook Lite. <laughs> and you know what? It's lovely. Because, I'll tell you why, you don't need a separate Messenger app. What Face do you mean? Facebook has a Facebook Messenger app. You can't receive messages in Facebook. You need a Messenger app. Oh, yes, but you just have both of them. Ah, I, see, but I don't need that. I use Facebook Lite that does everything oh, for me. Oh, okay. Great and uses less data. And I use a lot less data. Yep. And then, obviously, the one we love to hate is Instagram. Yes, and to be able to do Instagrams or when you're traveling mm -hmm. full-time or you want to try and schedule posts, you need to have later. Well, you don't need later. That's Later is just a tool for you guys who don't know. If you want to schedule Instagram posts, then this is a platform that makes it a to little bit easier for you. To be able to plan yes, yeah. schedule your posts to Instagram and not actually do them Insta. Not do them Insta, I know, it sounds terrible. <laughs> terrible. And then I think social media, I've still got the YouTube app on my phone and I use that quite a lot. 
uh, not obviously to just use YouTube my phone, but I also stream my YouTube to my Chromecast device. Ah, yes. That's a lot what I do. Yeah. And I think generally just if you want to watch a video on your phone, you, watching it through the YouTube app is a lot better than watching it on your Chrome or whatever else oh, yeah, your course. browser is. Of it does yeah, the, the, the app does work a lot better. Yeah. But Okay. All right. So when you're not on social media, hopefully you're wanting to now and then do some Find reading or listen to something or be entertained. And I found a little app, the Amazon Kindle. Obviously, we both travel with Kindles, mm -hmm. but the Amazon Kindle actually has an app. And I find it quite handy if you don't have your Kindle with you. For instance, if you've just gone out for the day, but then you happen to end up on a half an hour bus ride home and you want to pick up in the book that you were reading, yeah. then you can do that on the app on your phone. I think it's quite handy and it's, useful. It's nice because it does sync your where you were on, uh, as long as your Kindle was connected to Wi-Fi. Yes. That's a bit of a downside, but it's quite handy. The other thing that I like to do is sometimes listen to audio books. And to do that, I use the app Smart Audiobook. What's fantastic is obviously, as any audiobook player would be, it keeps your position. Mm -hmm. And I enjoy audiobook yeah. now and then. I personally don't enjoy an audiobook. It's just something I can't get you stuck into. You don't like somebody reading a story or, or to even, you. Or the other way, super animated. <laughs> and once upon a okay, time. Okay, thank you. I guess that's why I don't listen to audiobooks. I, I enjoy podcasts. I think podcasts is a phenomenal way to spend time relatively productive when you're in transit. And depending, obviously, on the quality of the podcast. So, you know, I think podcast if, is something that's becoming more relevant. I think people start appreciating the free-form conversation mm. style. So the apps we use, I use Podcast Addict. I used to use Stitcher, but I'm not using Stitcher anymore. I can't remember why. Stitcher started giving me hassles. I can't and remember. I also use Podcast Addict. Podcast Addict is pretty cool, but you could use Spotify or Stitcher or whatever. But it doesn't Google, matter what you use as Google long as you're podcast. listening to us. You well, got if you're listening right to us, you got the right app. <laughs> but yes, uh, obviously, if you have a podcast uh, addiction, then use an Which app. Use, use an have. app where you can download the podcast and listen to it later. I think later. if you have to check on your phone what apps you use the most, I think podcast addict will definitely be up there. No, actually, there's one on this list which I haven't mentioned yet, and we use a radio streaming app. Which is actually not on the list that's here. That's true. That should be on this. Now that's section. probably the app we use the most mm. because right now we're setting our Airbnb in Penang, and well, there's no radio here. Firstly, there's a TV, but it's got like one fuzzy local channel, well, which I don't I'm know. Well, I'm not sure I want to listen to the Malaysian uh, radio. No, but you can take your pick. There's plenty of r free radio apps out there. The one we use at the moment is called TuneIn Radio, but it's, it's really up to you. And that allows me to stream the radio station of my of choice. choice. Yeah. So that's fantastic. You I do need say. you need the Wi-Fi connection because it will go through your data a little mm. bit, unfortunately. But it is quite if nice. If you're staying in a place where you've got mm. Wi-Fi connection, then it's fantastic. Yeah. So, and that's, we, we've got a little Bluetooth speaker and we switch on the little Bluetooth speaker and we stream any radio station we want to it. And that's, mm. that's lovely. All right, we're almost at the end, guys. Hang in hey. there. We've got three or four more under general. Oh, boy. The first one could actually go under documentation as well, I must say. And that's the app Sc Cam, Cam Scanner. Scanner. Mm. And I use this to scan slips, receipts, guarantees, anything like that. What's fantastic about it, yes, you can take a photo of a slip. No, you but can't. But it's just not, not the same. same. The Cam Scanner, you take a photo, but it immediately flattens it. And you can also change your color grading. It'll trim it to the edges of the paper so that it looks like a document and you don't have your grandmother's tablecloth in the background. And you can also do the grading, make it black and white, or just shade it, take mm. out any yellows or shadows, and save uh, it as a PDF document. Important. 
or JPEG, but most importantly as a PDF to That's your right. Google Drive immediately. It's a free app. It does load you with a couple of ads if you have the free version, but it's still very handy. No, it's amazing. It really works quite well. Uh, okay, the one I've got on my list for general is, is we scuba dive when we travel. When we can. But here's the problem. We we don't carry logbooks. Well, one's supposed to have a logbook for scuba diving, and you can't carry that around the world with you. Well, I suppose, you can, I suppose but... you can, but we found it. We started uh, diving in places where we didn't have a logbook, and then we got the, all those odd little pieces of paper to stick into our logbook, and our logbook started getting all wonky. So we moved to a digital logbook, and the app we use is called Subsurface Mobile, and it's not just a an app-based application. It's actually, there's a web interface open source so it's quite nice you create an account and you can log your dives there with all the information that you could dream of and you install the app and you can see it either online in the web face or in the app itself so we just find it super easy to to use as a digital way now obviously you're not going to get a little stamp there so i think once you you need to get past a certain number of dives i guess because you might rock up at a dive shop and uh, they might not acknowledge that that's Well, correct. most people just want your dive card, and we advanced open water divers, so... But you can use CamScanner to log the... You could. Uh, to scan the actual log with but the But frankly, dive logs are mostly for your own use, yes. in my opinion. If you're certified, very few places are going to ask you how many dives you got behind you. That's just the way it works. So look into that if you don't want to carry a, lo- uh, a guidebook. All right. So the next one that we also use... Not necessarily always for traveling, but is quite handy to have often when you're traveling as well, is our groceries. This app was initially made or created to be a shared grocery list. And that's how we started using it as well. Is you can create any number of lists. You can give your list a name, and within the list, you can add items to the list. You can add them, make them more or less, or you can add from the list, you can put them into categories, or you can just create Great any item that sure. you want, which could be a to do list as well. well we de- we, it's mostly so suited for grocery lists, and that's how we use it. Groceries, we used it like that in the past, but you can also use it for other lists. No, we use it for groceries. 90% of the time it's for groceries. And that's still the way it works. So you can have a common list and whoever gets to the shop first can buy what's on the list. The idea is that if you need something or you run out of something or about to, you pop it in there and hopefully you both see the same thing before the other person buys it. (laughs) Yes. That's the idea. (laughs) And everybody doesn't get home with, honey, I bought milk. Yeah, it's a bit clunky if you want to use for different types of lists. There's better ways you can use Evernote or something like that, to yeah. be honest, if you want to share notes. This is for a grocery list, frankly. Okay, yes, you I can... think you can use it for other list types of lists. But... We have, but it's not what I recommend it for. No. Right now, we use it, it for grocery lists. Yes. And then the last one, uh, planning a trip. It's always For me, it's always important to know what the weather is like. So I would say you need a weather app to be able to check in advance firstly what the weather's going to be, where you're going, and then where you are. If you're somewhere for a week and you want to choose the best day to go and see a site or climb a hill and get a view, you want to know what the weather's doing. So personally, I use YR. YR.no is probably one of the, it's well a well-known weather service and it's debatable how accurate it is all over the world, but it's something that's worked for us up mm. till this point. It seems like you get fairly, fairly decent reporting all over the world. And I think you've got to be careful, though, because if you're in a subtropical climate... It says it's going to rain every day. It's always going to rain. <laughs> and then it never does. 
<laughs> oh gosh all right guys that's a wrap i think those are really the but this a is very comprehensive list of apps that we find super lisa, and useful lisa but you told me this is only 10 apps we're going to be discussing yeah i think we might have gone a little bit over 10 oh apps. boy all right well in, in <laughs> we case hope we, it was handy and useful i want to say in case you can think of an app that we forgot about uh please uh, let us know but i don't think there's anything we forgot <laughs> <laughs> but drop us a note and check out the show notes for the full list as well as our article on our website, we will know All right. Until Thanks next time. Thank you. Bye.